0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Sports with Friends. Uh, This is episode 380. So glad that you continue to listen, support this podcast, and we continue to put out uh, the kind of content that we have. Uh, Last week, the reaction to Jonathan Zaslow was great. Uh, We had the rabbi, David Weisberg, a couple of weeks ago on anti-Semitism. We've had some really fun podcasts. Bill Spaulding was great uh, as well in the last month. Uh, and we've got a treat today. This is this is a guy you are going to absolutely love. If you've been listening, <clears throat> if you've been listening to Sports with Friends over the years, you know the origin story of this podcast. But for those of you who are new, uh, including our guest today, um, my history with podcasting goes back to my MLB Radio days, and when uh, I was in 2015. Uh, I was asked by the folks, the fine folks at Blog Talk Radio, which is now Spreaker. uh, I was asked to do a podcast. And I said, the only kind of podcast I should do would be one with my old broadcast partner, the the late, great Daryl Hamilton. And I approached Daryl about doing it. I said, we'll do it once a week. What do you think? We'll, we'll, We'll recreate the magic. And he said, well, let me clear it. Because he had just taken a freelance job at MLB Network, mm-hmm. so he said, "Just let me make sure that they're okay, because I just don't want to get in trouble for yapping with you." I said, "Okay." So we proceeded, and what I did was I created a show called "From the Press Box," just to learn the ins and outs of how to publish and how to do, you know, how to do a podcast and what what the labor were, you know, the editing process would be and all, all those different things. And then in June of 2015, Daryl was tragically killed. I had abandoned the podcast idea. I just said it was done. Yeah. And what I had loved during that process and our guest today can comment on this, that what I loved at the, then was social media and both the combination of friends and strangers who reached out to me because they had heard the old MLB show, and just the nice things that were being written at the time for the toxic mess that social media is now. It was amazing in 2015, <laughs> and so the the, the story goes. Uh, someone, the, the people who had asked me uh, to start the podcast, uh, said came back to me and said, "You should still do the podcast." And I said, "Well, at this point, I only want to talk to my friends." And my mother was playing the game Words with Friends. Yeah. And I created Sports with Friends. And that's, that, that's the origin. The origin was built out of a tragic, tragic event. During the course of knowing Daryl for two decades, uh, one of the people he introduced me to right basically after I met him was our guest today. Uh, Carl Dukes, at the time was a radio broadcaster in Houston, and Daryl lived in Houston. He has since moved on to Atlanta and now has become a big fancy star because he hosts a national show <laughs> on CBS Sports Radio. And as Carl well knows, it is also week 14 in the National Football League. We will preview the big matchups. Not sure the Falcons will be part of it. Patrick Morrow, the head odds maker at BovadaSportsBook.com, will be joining us shortly. And with that, let us welcome the great, the legendary Carl Dukes to the show. Carl, I, I, I haven't told the origin story of the podcast in a long, long time. But if you remember back then, you and I spoke a bunch then. How we didn't do an episode then is beyond me. I, I, it probably was too raw at the time. Yeah. And I think it's cool that, you know, in the holiday time and in, in, in the end of 2022, that we can sit down and quote unquote break bread together.
1: Yeah. And first of all, thank you for having me, Seth. Um, we do go way back and I consider you one of my best friends in this business because I've always been able to confide in you, talk to you about things. We know a lot of the same people and yeah. Um, through our coverage of, you know, covering MLB um, through the years and and having those conversations. Um, so thank you for having me. It, it, it's weird, man. You tell that story. You can't see it, but it sits right here in my office. And it's a picture of D. Ham. We call him Bone. That's what everybody called him. That's his name. All right. So I have a picture of Bone. And it's an autographed picture. And I'm gonna tell this story because it just gets us into this conversation about this time of year and our connection to Boehm. But my daughter asked me about this picture years ago because I have various things in my office, uh, baseball memorabilia, things that I've gotten from people over the years. And I always say, Seth, when you come into my house, every piece has a story. There's nothing I don't have. It's
0: the same way. If you walk around my office,
1: What What is it? That, oh, you got to hear about that time. Let me tell you about it, right? So everything that I have.
0: Including the David Hasselhoff picture.
1: <laughs> is something that really connects with me or, you know, somebody personally gave it to me. I've got all these autographed baseballs over the years that I've gotten. And people are, are shocked. But it's like, you know, we were in those clubhouses. We got to know people. And we had relationships with guys. And so the point is, D, sign this right after we met because he gave me this picture and he's actually in a Rockies uniform. Now this uh-huh. is what's crazy. So he's in a Rockies uniform.
0: Yeah.
1: And for our backstory, Daryl's brother was a yeah. longtime agent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And D reached out to me because I was on the radio there in Houston and I was doing a variety of pre and post game shows and all kinds of different things. And he literally just said, you know, man, I'm getting out of baseball. I, I wanna, you know, when I get out of baseball here, I want to try and start a broadcast career. Would you be interested? And I was honored that he even thought, you know, enough of my work to say, hey, would you be interested? And literally I was like, Yeah, come in. Let come in, sit in, do whatever, man. I wanna, I wanna get you in. And so we're a few months into that. And I admired his baseball, what he did on the field. And so, anyways, he he signed this picture, but this picture so meaningful to me now more than it ever has because I've got other photos of us together but my daughter asked me about it and she was like dad who's that and this was some years back and I said oh well that's that's Daryl Hamilton so I started talking to her about his career and what he did and playing in the subway series and but I told her more Seth about the kind of man that he was and who he was as a person and she said so I see some other pictures up here but you know, is this one is this different? Is it special? Because you you've got it right here. And I said, Yeah, because he was just a great individual. And if you ran across him, and you know, I still talk to guys in major league baseball who played with D, who just speak so highly you of him. You don't talk to
0: any current players that played with D. No,
1: no, no, no. These are all <laughs> these are all old guys. These are all old guys, but they all speak so highly of him, man. And and I the the point that I'm getting to is. As I look at this picture, and I glance at it periodically, a couple of reasons, Seth. One, to appreciate every day. Appreciate every day. I thought, D, you, me, we'd be having beers, you know, later in life and chopping it up and shooting the shit. So appreciate every day because you just, you don't know. The second thing is how motivated I get when I see that picture because I know his struggle and where he came from and how nobody gave him a shot to even get to where he was. And so with that said, this time of year is always, there's two times a year that are difficult. A couple of times a year. One is obviously father's day, which is right around the time that he passed away.
0: And then he was killed on father's day. The only difference is father's day is different
1: every year. Yes. And then his birthday. Right. Because we would have been calling him and talking shit to him and celebrating this weekend. And so it's ironic. My point is to to have this conversation with you during this particular time, knowing that it's that time of year. And with that said, though, his legacy lives on and uh, our connection lives on. And I know he's looking down and saying, hey, my guys are still doing the thing. You know, they're still they're still doing what I had hoped that they would do. And and I think that's what I think about when, when I think about this and you having me on and our connection to D yeah.
0: More of this very important conversation with Carl Dukes. I have known Carl Dukes for so long. Can't believe we have him on the podcast this week, week 14 in the national football league is upon us. And to preview some of the best matchups in the NFL we bring on the head odds maker at Pavada Patrick Morrow. The Minnesota Vikings are ten and two. The Detroit Lions are five and seven. But Patrick Morrow, who are the favorites in this game?
2: Seth Everett, the Detroit Lions, five and seven, are two and a half point home favorites in this one over the Minnesota Vikings, who are ten and two. How could that be possible? Well the reason for that is because the Vikings are largely frauds and uh, that's pretty aggressive language on my end but having watched them having been someone who also uh, bets uh, uh, this a lot and has lost a lot of money backing Kirk Cousins in the past um, you know you you look at the point differential on these two teams and the Vikings at 10 and 2 are only plus 10 points this year they are scraping it out they are luck boxing their way to win after win after win they are I, you know there's recency bias here but they might be the most fraudulent 10-2 team uh, that i can certainly recently remember whereas the lions five and seven they only have a point differential of minus nine right now so these, these are actually and based on the point spread right now which takes into account home field adventure lines these are two pretty evenly matched teams i think if you watch detroit lions games and not just check the box score you could probably be convinced that this team plays hard they execute pretty well they've been unlucky in close games where the Vikings have just had that luck, the ball has bounced the right way for them. Um, what we are seeing, though, is on the money line because you can get the 10 and two Vikings at plus 115 on the money line. We are seeing 65% of all bets on the Vikings there, Pavada. However, on the spread itself, the Lions and the Vikings are presently 50/50 all bets. Over/under is sitting 53 and a half, the highest of the week, and uh, about 80% of all bets on the over there. So they're expecting points in this one. Should be a good one, personally, just because I don't like the Vikings. I don't like Cousins. I don't like how they execute. I do hope the Lions come through on this one, but we don't bet with our heart.
0: Now, the New York Giants, you could say, have been perpetuating a fraud as well. Um, they come in 7-4-1, hosting the 11-1 Eagles, and the Giants are a huge home underdog.
2: Now, Giants uh, definitely been punching uh, above their weight this year at 7 and 4 uh, what can you say about this Eagles team? They are so good. They're very likable. Great head coach, great front office. Jalen Hurts, one of the MVP contenders this year, and they come into this one as seven-point road favorites at Bavada. They are currently getting about 75% of all bets, about 95% of all bets on the money line. Um, looking at the NFC, uh, I I think this Eagles team is the best, and that's an easy thing to say at 11-1, but I think they are the best with space between everyone else. They are far more complete than the Cowboys. The 49ers I would have put right up there, but they have uh, some QB issues right now, so you really got to love everything this Eagles team is doing, and as a result, it's no surprise that they are that loved by betters this early into the week, and I think that's only going to continue in that direction.
0: Meanwhile, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're in first place. Uh, in that NFC South, but they're taking on a really, really tough San Francisco 49ers team.
2: I mean, you know what, Seth? That really speaks to the year that the Tampa Bay Bucks are having. That Tom Brady is an underdog to Brock Purdy, Mister Irrelevant. The the, the 49ers are now in their third QB of the year, and they are four point home favorites at Nevada over Tom Brady and these absolutely hapless Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I know they came back on Monday night. I know. This 49ers team has shown that they've been able to win in spite of who their QB is. Uh, um, I, I think it is interesting that a third string QB is a favorite over Tom Brady in this one. It's no surprise to me that the over-under is as low as it is. Uh, one of the lowest ones of the week at 37 this week. But you gotta, you gotta tip the hat to the 49ers coaching. Early favorite from uh, players so far. They like the 49ers. They like them a lot
0: then there's the sunday night game and uh this is the best of the three primetime games uh dolphins chargers uh chargers are 500 at home but the dolphins uh to me the dolphins are just getting better and i know that the buffalo bills are the class of the afc east but miami not far behind
2: right and these are two teams set that are uh, still knocking on that playoff door if they were to start today the dolphins would be in the chargers would be one game out so Uh, We we are at this point in the season that, uh, you know, it becomes a point that people uh, overuse early on. But This is a must-win game definitely for the Chargers and probably for the Dolphins just because of how congested it is in that 7-6 seed spot right now. Uh, The Dolphins come into this one, Seth, as three-point favorites at Bavada. They're currently getting about 70% of all bets on that side. Over-under sitting at 52 right now. It is the second-highest total of the week. 90 percent of all bets on the over there L- listen i i like tua i like herbert i think uh you know every time herbert comes up i mention how big of a fan i am i'm glad for tua's sake that he's been able to come back the dolphins they hung with the 49ers last week they've looked brilliant in uh spurts this year i think it's right that they are the road favorites in this one it speaks to the quality of their team. Said uh, these chargers are no slouch at all but uh, yeah it really should be a good one i'm uh, really looking forward to this one stuff.
0: That is the head odds maker at Bavada, Patrick Morrow. Our thanks to him for joining us each and every week during the football season and beyond. Now back to our conversation with Atlanta Sports Radio host on 92.9 The Game and CBS Sports Radio national host, my friend Carl Dukes. I remember uh, when we had episode 100. Um, so this this is years ago. I mean, many. We're at three eighty. Um episode one hundred, there's a funny Eli Manning story. i had uh, i was I had done ninety eight episodes, and Eli Manning and I were doing a charity event. and it was coming up on June. It was you know, it was coming up on the anniversary of his passing. And I remember saying to Eli Manning, hey, if I publish somebody else before you, I said, you, this could be episode 100. I said, you, you were like episode three, and so th- that would be cool, and looked me right in the eye, and I don't think he was joking, and he just goes, I had a shit shitty year. I should be 99. <laughs> 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 and That's great. <laughs> I, and so we made Eli Manning 99, and so then I needed 100, and I was trying to think of somebody special to do 100. And what I did, because of the beauty of podcasts, you know, Daryl and I were one of the world's first podcasts. It, we were doing podcasts before it was a word. Right. At the end of the 03 season, they had this meeting on how to make the, the radio show that we were doing together uh, more marketable. And I, I, I don't know who, whose idea it was. You know, I have theories, but, but I, I don't know, or else I'd give that person credit but they had the idea to replace the listen live link with this download that you could put on your new device, the iPod. Yeah. And that it's, it's, it's amazing because we were doing a podcast before it was a word. And then when we heard the word, Daryl was obsessed with uh, Seinfeld. And so he thought that if, because the way the technology worked, They could only put like 40 minutes of the radio show. The show was three hours or three or four hours. Sometimes it varied. And (laughs) some guy would call up and, you know, want to trade Nomar Garcia para to Cleveland (laughs) or some nonsense. And Daryl's thing, because he was obsessed with Seinfeld. He loved the episode with the sponges. Yeah. And he would, so instead of sponge worthy, he would go now, come on. You think you're going to make the podcast with that? You're, you're not podcast worthy, worthy. And yeah. like when, so when we would take calls, it's got to be podcast worthy. And so I thought the word was a joke. And then Ricky Gervais was doing a podcast and Kevin Smith was doing a podcast. And i was seeing other podcasts and I, I never knew where this was going. So what I always say is I'll never claim to have the best. I do know I think I have the longest. Like, (laughs) So episode 100, what we did was through the magic of podcasts, I was able to re-download old shows. And I found clips of Hambone. Mm. And we did that for episode 100. And I swore I would never do that for another um, century mark. You know what I mean? Like 200, 300, 400. I didn't want to do that every time. But episode 100, technically he's on uh, this podcast.
1: Yeah. It's, that's a great story as well. And, and, you know, it's crazy because you talked about 2015 and where social media was, and it seems like it was yesterday and and it can be a shit show now. There's no doubt. Um, but it still has the ability to connect people. And to your point, you know, that the, 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 the good is the good outweigh the bad. Ah, We can debate that, you know, I mean, it depends on the topic and what you're doing and who you're talking to, but I do, I do think, and this gets us into another conversation, but just speaking about that aspect of it, there are no guardrails, Seth. And going back to when you and I were starting these you know, conversations about, do I want to do a podcast? Because even like with Rogan, right? When you talk to Rogan and he says, he was doing this overnight. Like nobody, he didn't think anybody was listening, right? right. And And slowly but surely he's building this audience. And the point is, when we were debating whether it was going to be worth it, will it even work? I mean, this right. was people see these podcasts now and they go, "Oh, well, it's easy. I'll put my podcast on." Th- there was a lot of doubts as to where the world was going and where the shift was going to happen. It was at- a
0: lot more entrepreneurial.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was
0: it was, it was definitely a lot more entrepreneurial back then. The one uh thing about Twitter and then we can kind of move on to your career. Um I it has become such a disaster since. Uh, are Elon... you on or
1: are you off? Are you on or are you off?
0: Too? No, I'm on. Well, okay. well I'm on it. I, I, I'm on it. I haven't. Nothing's changed. I'm still verified. I'm not paying uh, eight dollars. <laughs> whatever the, it is. What what um, I have seen, the hate speech, the anti-Semitic stuff has been through the roof. It's yeah. been nasty. But what I don't want it to do is disappear. You know, the story about all these advertisers pulling out of Twitter and, you know, Twitter's uh, revenue is 90 percent advertised based. And all these advertisers are pulling out because some of the shenanigans that he's doing yeah. again, you know, that, that that's not what I'm here for. What I don't want to do is wake up one day and press the Twitter app on my phone and it not be there because then I'll miss it. You know what I'm saying? Like that, I do. I do. Uh, Just last week, I do this uh, superhero podcast called the Hall of Justice, and uh, just last week, we were putting something together, and I had a guest fall through, and I checked Twitter because there was a rumor about a devil's defenseman was hurt, and I wanted to see more, so I went to Twitter, and Greg Grunberg, the, uh, the star of Heroes, tweeted out, uh, what's the good word today? So I, I wrote him back, and I just wrote, shot in the dark. I have this podcast called the hall of justice. You want to come on? And he He did. did. Wow. He did. And like that kind of look, I I worked with Prince because of Twitter. Right. I don't want printer uh, printer. I don't want Twitter to go away. Like, I I just don't want it to disappear that I would miss. Um, I don't want to get into what I think should happen or where it should go. And what it's, it, it literally is a cesspool, but there are so many things that I, so many great memories that I've had because of Twitter's existence that I don't want it to disappear.
1: Yeah. It's the, for, for what we do um, and being in the media, I say this to people, it's the quickest easiest thing for us and a way to get a message out or to receive either breaking news, which a lot of times is the case and, and uh, more times than not for the reason why I'm, you know, looking at it. Um But I've learned, and and I'll say this, I've learned you can't have these in-depth conversations on Twitter and win because you're not going to solve anything. And, you know, if it's you and and I and, uh, you know, four other people at a roundtable and we're talking about anti-Semitism or, you know, uh, racism, whatever it might be, that's Mm -hmm. a different deal to try to affect a conversation and have people maybe change their way of thinking. You're not going to do that on Twitter. You know the the, the Joe right. Blow, the, the 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 keyboard thug or gangster is not going to change his ideas based on 140 words or characters or 240 characters. It's just not going to happen. So yeah. I, I've learned that Seth, and from that, I, you know, a lot of the stuff that I do now. You know, I try to entertain. I've had this conversation with Shaq because Shaq is brilliant, man. He he picked up on this way early, and he was Look like, "This Look, name
0: dropping here."
1: Well, I, I, it's it, because <laughs> you see how people. First of all, you get people just on brand name, right? So people want to follow you. I mean, Tom Brady wasn't on social media. He gets on social media. He's got a million followers, right? right. Because it's Tom Brady. But then what do you do with it? How creative are you with it? Are you engaged with it? And I think that's the part where you can be on here and you can just be doing negative things and saying negative things. And that brings its own you know, attraction. But Shaq was just like, look, it's entertainment. You know, yeah. I'm going to put some entertainment stuff out there. I'm going to have some fun and then I'm going to promote my stuff. And I was like, big fella, that's it. You know, yep. that's, that's really what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to get in an argument about, you know, what's happening in the Georgia political landscape. Sure. I've got my thoughts. You've got, you no in the moment. middle of it there. Yeah, I, I'm not going to get into that because I'm not going to change anybody's mind, nor do I want to have that conversation onto it. If we really want to do that, that's got to be a bigger conversation. And it's just not the platform in my opinion to do that. So that's not what I'm there for get, getting back to your point about, why I'm on? I'm on for various reasons, and I'm with you. I don't want to I don't want to um, not have it available or for that matter, suppress free speech. But my concern has always been and it became bigger last year or two years ago. Speech has consequences. And if you don't believe that, all you have to do is look around and see what's going on. And I think there is a line between free speech and me stating how I feel and then saying something that then leads to violence. And that that's that's where I'm at. I agree. I don't know where this platform goes. I'm not that informed enough technology wise to know where this should go and what what we should do with it. But it's an interesting conversation, Seth. I just I'm on it. People are asking me, you know, are you going to get off and get off for what? You know, I mean, I, I, Elon hadn't charged me eight bucks, and and to your right. point, I'm not I'm not going to pay it. You can take the blue check mark away. At the end of the day, I've always said this is about interacting with people and trying to stay informed, and that's what I'm there for. I'm not there for the hate or the negative stuff that's there, even though it exists, and I know that.
0: Um, here's a segue though. Um, you know, you're in the midst of Georgia, yeah, and the intersection of politics and sports is so connected. Um, You cannot take a, we're going to just stick to sports uh, mentality. Uh, And I I think it started with Kelly Loeffler. And, you know, when, when Kelly Loeffler is the owner of the WNBA team and the black lives matter movement is starting and she's criticizing it. And there's an uprising amongst the players. Um, how did you juggle that? And did you have to have segments where we say, "Okay, now we're just going to break down the Falcons' defensive line," or was it play the hits and whatever people wanted to talk about? This is what they wanted to talk about. I, it's and and it continues now because l- l- let's say what it is: Herschel Walker is a sports icon in Georgia. Yes, he is. so uh, like, literally, like you cannot duck it. It's not the separation. How do you juggle it?
1: So, Seth, I think this goes back to to twenty twenty. Um, I kept all my my notes and things that I was doing, d- during uh, doing doing during twenty twenty because I knew that I probably would never live to see another time like this, where sports stopped and it was not. In the forefront of what was going on in the world, and especially in America, where it's so ingrained into our culture. And I'll I'll say this, there was no juggling. There were two things that happened, a couple of things that happened. One, we were at home. Two, People wanted to get away from this pandemic conversation and all the stuff that was going on. Well, and that was intersecting
0: sports too. I mean, college football, you're in the SEC country and college football was like, screw COVID. We're just doing this.
1: Exactly right. And so what we had to do and what we did, and we had a lot of success with it, was we talked about those things that were necessary. I think the shows that went away, and I've seen the proof, that were either afraid or not willing to challenge the audience in what was going on in reality, in real life, they didn't see the success we had. My ratings went up during, during COVID because we talked about George Floyd. We talked about black lives matter. We talked about, you know, a a cop shooting, you know, a guy here at a Wendy's in Atlanta and they burned the Wendy's down because people were outraged and it was what was going on in our community. So I didn't run from any of that. And I never, I never really have with sports and and politics as far as them merging, but I am, I am, I think careful in how I do it because I want to bring you into the conversation, Seth. I don't want to, I don't want to just piss you off so much so that you don't even listen to me. And especially on the radio where, you know, half your audience, you don't know what, who's Republican, who's Democrat. You don't know what people believe in, you know, whether they believe in abortion or they don't. And I care not to know, I don't care. Our shared interest is sports. And when those two things intersect, I've got to be able to bring that to the table. And hopefully you respect me enough and my opinions to know that I'm not going to try to offend you. What I'm going to try to do is bring this to the forefront and say, how do you feel about this? If this was you. And I think because of that, there was no juggling. We we hit the topics that needed to be hit. And there was a lot of stuff that was going on. And it still is. But I don't think like the Kelly Loeffler thing. We well, talk- but let me,
0: hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Let, let, me, let me add a caveat to this whole thing. Okay. Look, I've known you for two decades. Uh, does it help that you are a black host no doubt. all
1: that? No doubt. Like,
0: is it harder to be a white host? Like, I don't think I could fill in for you during that time because your perspective is so different and 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 you and i are cut from the same cloth yes but when it comes to this people went to you yeah. because of who you are and you know you never run away from that but and that's never defined you but the reality of it is is it, it that's why 2020 was a pivotal year for you and you took the ball and ran with
1: it i agree um my co-host is white and i remember when we were talking about, you know, how police stop black men and this whole process, and I remember saying on the air and telling the story on the air, which you know now a, a lot of people have talked about, but it was one of those things that black folks only really talked about, and that was the talk, right, that you have to have with your kids. And I remember on, being on the air and saying, you know, to Mike, his name's Mike Bell. I said, Mike, yeah. we 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 have the talk. You know, my parents had to talk with me, how to act, how to respond, hands on the wheel. Always. Yes, sir. You don't have to worry about that. And I remember having that conversation, Seth, and and, and this is what I'm going to get to on the air. And we're having this real conversation where I'm sharing my experience as a black man in America and sure. growing up. And Mike texted me after the segment and said. Bro, I didn't know that, like I'm from New York. I, right, I, right. I I never went through those things. My my yeah. community was predominantly white. I never had to deal with those things. I didn't know that parents, black parents, gave this talk because yeah. they're fearful that their kids weren't going to be able to come home because yeah. of a police stop.
0: And it's if and you're if you're pulled over for any reason,
1: for any reason, not because you right? did anything, right? Absolutely. Any right. So our text line just starts oh, to fill up. And part of that is because that's a real conversation that people can relate to. And then people who didn't know were like, okay, you know what? That is new to me. And, and I have no idea that that even existed. But now, you know, a few years later, lots of Black folks have talked about this. But it was something that I could uniquely share on the air, Seth. Hmm. And only I could get that kind of response from it at that particular time. I don't think being a white guy on the air and telling that story would have related. And so to your point, no. Yeah. there's no there's no doubt. Um, that, that, that helped. But I would also say this, you know, for years, you know, this uh, sports talk has been traditionally a white guy's business, right? It's just, we're still searching for people of color to elevate and to have these positions where you truly have a voice and you're seen and, and and to
0: not be shtick.
1: Correct. And so I think, you know, for me to say to any white guy that's doing sports talk, that you can't have these conversations. I'm not saying that. But I would say that you do need diversity to have this perspective. And that's where a lot of these shows or a lot of these, these companies miss. And unfortunately, you know, that's, that's just part of what we're dealing with in the business.
0: I want to thank everybody who subscribes to sports with friends on Monday. We posted a teaser for a podcast that I want you to also listen. Don't call it a comeback is a new podcast from wondering co-hosted by Former NFL star Ryan Shazier, he has a story to tell. When doctors told him he would never walk again after a devastating on-field injury, it wouldn't be his last play. He came back onto the football field because the one thing the odds don't account for is the will to overcome. He hosts the podcast along with Dave Demchak, a former fantasy analyst at NFL Network. It covers the greatest comeback stories from the past week in sports. Stories like Albert Pujols' resurgence to join the 700 Club, and major culture moments like Rihanna headlining the Super Bowl halftime show. The feedback I saw on social media about this podcast made me interested. I listened to the first episode. It is wonderful. It's inspiring. And they're timeless, so you can listen to it at your own pace. Follow Don't Call It A Comeback on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, or listen early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts or the Wondery app. One of the neatest things about tackling issues like you were saying is when you get to celebrate uh, the Braves winning the World Series or you know, something else going on when when it is the lighter things, I think it's just like when there's a dramatic moment in a uh, sitcom, and then like the next episode is just funny and it makes it funnier because you yeah. had that dramatic moment. Like having that, I think, gives you weight, you know, metaphorically, gives you weight, and I think that your show has benefited now, not that things are gone because you still have Herschel Walker and you still have all these other other things. but the reality of it is is that your show, I think people celebrate Georgia being the top ranked team in the in the country together because you experienced that.
1: I hope I mean that's that's what I believe. I think you're right. I, I think you can't be all fluff and then expect people to want to ride with you per se through the thick and thin when you're not willing to put yourself out there and and i, I think that's what you're saying right w- when you're willing yeah. to say hey this is how i really feel you know um about this particular topic whether it's again political racial doesn't matter and people but then, understand- but then two
0: weeks later they come down that's and right. you're you're screaming how do you go for two in that situation
1: that's crazy like exactly yes because you have it, it can- more Wait, then. it's a connection. It it absolutely is a connection. And you know, that, that is something that I totally agree with you on and I've seen it. We've seen it in the streets. We've seen people, you know, of, of all different ethnicities and ages approach us and, and come to me and say those things that you're talking about. I got to tell you, Seth, that to me is the coolest thing. Yeah. Like, like to have somebody You know, and this is hard to think about because we all have kind of live our lives and we're doing what we do. But to have somebody drive 30 or 45 minutes to come want to meet you because they have that connection is the coolest thing. What a
0: feeling, right? Uh, It's a great feeling. I'm so happy for you.
1: And I I can't tell anybody what that's like. You know, I always say, you know, we're we're small fry when it comes to the celebrity thing. But that that makes you feel like you have a connection and you're, you sure. are involved in somebody's life on a daily basis.
0: Along those lines uh, you have embraced uh, the city of Atlanta. Um, you know, you, you, you grew up in Houston and you know, you were always, you know, I always knew you as Houston, you know, every yeah. time I saw you, it was in Houston. And uh, I remember that time when uh, uh, Daryl and I did the show from a minute made park and they decided to open the roof and it was a thousand degrees. I thought you were going to spontaneously combust. <laughs> like that, Houston, I thought you were going to die right then, that day in, in Houston. Um, you moved to Atlanta and I remember you were, you were interested in it. You know, you were, you were, you were happy to have the gig, um, but you have really embraced Atlanta. Is Atlanta home
1: now? Yeah. I mean, you know, before Houston, I, I had a couple of different stops Um I always say this about Houston, Houston put me on. And what I mean by that is, you know, if I'm a rapper and I was putting out my music (laughs) and the city I'm from got behind me, that was Houston. Houston put me on. So I will always have an appreciation for it, you know? Um, But yeah, I'm a Texas guy. I'm a Texas boy, man. And you know, my dad retired there uh, you know, and and he basically retired in Texas because he didn't want to live somewhere where it was cold. And, right. you know, he wanted to be somewhere where it was was warm. But I had no control over that. And ultimately, you know, just growing up watching the Cowboys, watching the Rangers, watching the Astros, and right. all of that kind of shaped me. And then I got into this business and, you know, made a few different stops um, and have been happy about all the decisions I've made. But, but Atlanta's home because here's the uniqueness for, for this situation for me. Seth, I took this job and brother, there were like seven or eight people said, don't take that job. And the reason why is because, and I'm talking about people in the business who were like, dude, you'll be, you'll be fired or you'll be looking for another job in a year. And I never came here with that mindset. And I just want to talk about the, the just for a second, the sure. the ability of creating something that you want before you create it, before it actually happens. So the reason why was because at the time, it's been been a decade, but there were two sports stations already established. One was fairly high profile, but a small stick, AM stick. They were both AM stations. The other one's still around. So you had two sports stations, and here comes a third. And usually when you're the third in the market, it just doesn't go right. It doesn't go your way because you're talking about trying to take potential advertisers away. There's only so much spending power in any market. Doesn't matter if you're in New York, Boston, it doesn't matter. And on top of that, then you start looking at listeners and you start splitting up this big pie and you start looking at it. And so from a business standpoint, for me, I moved here. I wanted the challenge of taking on this and saying, I can go there and win. I always thought Atlanta was a a gym. Like, I would come here. My grandmother, my father's from Griffin, Georgia. So it's literally right down the road from Atlanta. And I, we would come here to visit my grandmother and my aunts and uncles. The big thing going from Griffin at the time, and this is when I was a kid, <laughs> you come to Old Fulton County Stadium and you go to games. So you go to Falcon Games, you go to Braves Games. And the irony is that this twist of life where I never thought I'd work in Atlanta, now right. I'm here. And those are some of the first experiences sports-wise that I experienced. But in taking the job, I said Atlanta has always been this thing. You know, it gets a bad rap. Oh, they don't care. The fans are not passionate. And having been here a couple, well, that's of my next times, question. <laughs> having been here a couple of different times, I was like, mm, maybe somebody hasn't tapped into that. And oh. I'm not, and I'm not going to say, Seth, that all the people that did this before me did it wrong. I'm not going to say that. There's some great personalities in this in this in this uh, city. But what I will say is with the signal that I have and coming in and the backing and the commitment at the time that we started the station, I knew I could come in and have an effect on the market. And I think that is what you're talking about. And so since then, I've embraced Atlanta. Atlanta has embraced me. I don't hide the fact that I'm from Texas. I don't hide the fact I went to Texas. I don't hide any of that. They know that. But they also know that I'm down for everything that goes on here. Falcons, Hawks, Braves, Atlanta United, it doesn't matter. Georgia, Georgia, we talk about it, and I'm down for all of these things that people care about because I'm here. I'm immersed in it. And I always tell people my tax dollars are going to Georgia. This damn state income tax is high, okay? My daughter is going to finish high school here. When we got here, she was in second grade. Her life has been shaped by Georgia. So for me, it is home. Now, will it be home forever? I don't know. I mean, I love it. I love the fact that I can be five hours and go to the beach and two hours and be in the mountains. And I love the, the proximity of it. And I can get on a plane and be anywhere in the world. But at the end of the day, it's still about the right situation. And Seth, you know, this, it's not the right situation. Sometimes those things change and then you have to look.
0: Well, last week we had uh, uh, Jonathan Zaslow uh, who did Miami sports radio for 18 years. And he grew up there And when I brought up, you know, is it a good sports town? Um, you know, very politely, he defended it to the hilt. Um, <laughs> and it, it just, it's, it's all perspective. You yes. know, if I say to you, uh, you know, back in the, in the nineties, you didn't sell out playoff games. Uh, I could say uh, you lost a hockey team. You know, there's, there's things I can say, um, but I, unless you live there, you don't know properly. So, my question to you is, uh, what makes Atlanta a great sports town? And when I say "great," I'm comparing it to Denver, sure. to Chicago, yeah, and forget New York and Boston. D- Denver, Chicago, Seattle. Like, those are intense sports towns. What's the difference between that and Atlanta?
1: Well, I think they're on par. And, you know, here's the thing. We have a thing called ratings. And the ratings for me. Tell me, me about
0: like, the ratings.
1: <laughs> the ratings are always something that I look at as a scorecard. Okay, I don't look at it to say to boast and brag. I always look at the ratings because I say if, if it wasn't important, they wouldn't have ratings on television. If it wasn't important, we wouldn't keep we keep would not keep count of what's going on. And these ratings over the years have told me, and I knew this coming in. You know, Seth, my numbers. Sometimes they're bigger than New Yorks. They're bigger than Philly's. You know, they're bigger than some of these traditional sports towns, these long-time, you know, generational sports towns. Huh. Than those cities in the same time slot. So what it's telling me is, people are passionate. People do listen. People are caring. They want to talk about what matters in this community. And so when you ask me about. Atlanta as a sports town. I always tell people, yeah, they got a bad rap because Sports Illustrated, you know, years ago, worst sports towns in America. And, you know, they're top of the list and everybody immediately jumps on. But it's just like with anything, Seth, unless you've been there, you know, you don't know. It's like when people were telling us, you know, hey, man, don't go to South Central. They got a Bloods and Crips situation. And you were like, yeah, whatever. You ain't never been to South Central. You don't but know. But if
0: you go to the 7-Eleven there, you'll be fine.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, so it's one of those things. Once I got here, and immerse myself in it, I realized fans care. They are passionate. They love their teams. And more importantly, they back their teams. Now, with any city, and this is with any city, if your team sucks, people aren't going to come out. I don't care what the sport is, okay? If your team's in rebuild mode or uh, they don't have the, the star power, nobody's coming out. It's, that's human nature. People want winners, okay? This is not a situation where that's exclusive to Atlanta. So as they've gone through these ebbs and flows of winning, losing, not having good teams, that plays into the conversation. But for what I do, it still doesn't matter because people are interested in where the teams are going. As bad as this shit is with the Falcons, people are still interested in what the next quarterback's going to be, who's going to come and basically turn this thing around. So I don't ever look at that and say, oh, well, you know, we got bad teams and you know, uh, nobody's listening because I know it's not true. I look at the numbers all the time. I see what's going on, even when you think things are bad, people are paying attention and they're they're, they're invested. And I think that's the answer to your question: Are we as invested as any of those other cities that you talked about? Absolutely. Let it's the teams good. let the teams win. Let them be a contender. It's even more so because you've got such a culture here with music. And all the entertainment business that's going on here now, it's on another level. You know, I tell people, like, you go to L.A. and you go to a game and you see stars. You see stars like that all the time in Atlanta.
0: Well, explain explain that to our listeners. So there's there's tax breaks that exist. And so what production companies do that film shows uh, is you make it in Georgia and you can save a lot of money. All
1: right. I'll tell you a quick story. Um, and yes, so that's why when you see at the end of a show, if you ever watch at the end of because a show,
0: made in.
1: Yeah. Future. And there's a little peach, right? That, yeah. And if you start to pay attention, you're like, wow, there's a lot of shows being made here. Um, and there are huge studios and Tyler Perry has his studio here, but it even goes beyond that, the, all the movies and whatnot. But a few years back, this is right around the time that they're filming all the Marvel movies. And I know obviously what you do and what you love. And we, I do too. They're filming all the happened, do you mean? <laughs> and so i go to i go to a hawks game. hawks weren't i think this was the 60 year or 60 win year um may have been 14 15 somewhere around there so they're making the marvel movies here and i'm at the arena and one of the ushers says hey dukes uh a couple of couple of people upstairs in the suite from marvel and i go he goes, oh, I don't know, man. I just I saw him come in, and they had a big, big thing, you know, these security with them. He says they're up in suite, you know, three eighteen. I'm like, really? I said, well, I'm going up there now. He goes, just peek in, man, see what see what's going on. Mm-hmm. So I go up, and Seth, I open the door. I'm gonna to hate you right now. I just the suite. The entire Marvel cast is in this suite. So- County Junior, I mean, you name it. You you name every character, all right, is in this suite. And I literally did something. Hemsworth, did. Everybody Bozeman. Bozeman's in there. You know who is it? Uh, you have the shirt on, right? You guys, I'm looking at your shirt. What shirt is that? Yeah, yeah. Falcon. Falcon. Uh,
0: Anthony Mackey.
1: Mackey's in there. I'm looking and I'm starstruck, which never happens. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I've got the door. I'm opening the door. There is a, a lady that's attending to the drinks, and you know, she's serving them, and she says, "Hey, sweetie, you coming in?" And I told this story on the radio at the time. I'm looking eye to eye with like Downey Jr. I'm like, "That's hired, man. Oh my God, I'm freaking out, right? And he like he looks at me, he's like, "What's up? Like no big deal. He doesn't know who the hell I am, right? I'm just some guy that's opening the door. He might think I work for the arena. Yeah. And I'm sitting there. And I literally go around the room. And I'm literally looking at these people, and they're having conversations, and some people watching the game, but it's mostly like a social thing. And I don't go in. I don't go in. I could have easily walked in and said, "Hey, Carl Duke's, good to meet you. Love your work. Can I get a quick pic?" I could have got a whole picture with the cast of Of Marvel. They would have done it, it. and I blew it. So, to your point, you go to these games. And because it's Atlanta and because the entertainment industry here is so prevalent, you run into a who's who. It is not uncommon. The new Creed movies coming out. The other night I was at a game. They're at the, they're they're at the game. You know, the, the cast is at the game. They're just hanging out. That is not uncommon in Atlanta outside of the music industry where you have this culture that's been built over, you know, three decades of Atlanta's influence, obviously from the great outcast all the way up to, you know, currently with Migos and, you know, rest in peace, take off. But I just, I think that is part of this mix. That is very unique. You don't get that in Milwaukee. You do right. not get that in Seattle. You've right. got a lot of star power that lives here, that comes here. I mean, hell the rock bought a house and sold it. He was here so much filming. It's just one of those things. And you see these people out all the time.
0: That's it, it's it, it's something about Atlanta that I don't think gets talked about uh, a, a lot. Um you know you talked about social media and you talked about uh you know taking this gig and 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 all that how did the national thing happen and what's the difference between a national audience and a local audience
1: it's a great question so um mark chernoff the great mark chernoff at wfan spike eskin is there now yep mark and i love spike he's great he's really good um Mark and I had a a long relationship through me getting this job and working for CBS at the time. Now, we are currently Odyssey, but CBS owned this station. Right, Right, right. And so there were various people that were involved because I was the first hire here, first talent, you know, and there were a lot of conversations about, who they might go with and how this might work out. And if I came, what was I, was I going to be, you know, morning drive, afternoon drive. I was doing afternoons at the time. I didn't want to move in mornings. So there were a lot of different conversations. So there were various people who were in on me getting hired. So Mark and I go back and I think this was probably 2017 or so. And Mark just approached me. And and if you know, Mark Chernoff, he's out of the business now he's, he's retired. But he's one of the all time great program directors and he, he programmed WFAN for 30 years. Um, and he says to me, Kyle, are you interested in maybe doing a national show? And I was like, uh, what time are we talking about? And so I guess he thought because I was in afternoons that I'd want to do afternoons. And so it was like two to six, maybe on a Saturday. And I was like, Mark, hold on Saturday. like." <laughs> college football going on wait a minute i'm not doing a show so we started having these conversations and it just it wasn't the right time seth and ultimately uh i think i saw him 20 right before the pandemic 2019 Mm -hmm. and i was in new york and i saw him and we had this conversation again and he was like look some things are going to be changing i think at that time he also told me that's what he was and maybe the word was already out but he was you know gonna he was retiring he was retiring and And he was like, look, I'd love to get you in and I want you to do this. I think it'd be great. And he was really the one that convinced me to do it and and was the guy that was saying, hey, um, I I want you to do this. So that's kind of the, the backstory, but it's been great. And the national audience thing for me is wonderful because I don't get a chance to hit some of the stories locally on my show, you know, every day, cheap plug two to seven, Monday through Friday. Uh, check it out on the Odyssey app, but I don't get a chance to hit a lot of those stories, Seth. And so, you know, I'll give you an example. Like Sunday, I went in on Bill Belichick, the hiring of Matt Patricia and, you know, Joe Judge as his play callers. I couldn't do that on my show here. Right,
0: of course not, because nobody cares.
1: And so from a national standpoint, I love that I can go there and do those stories and have fun with them. And so I'm having a good time with it, you know, and, and we'll see where it goes. I, I'm... Right now, the timing of the show is perfect for me and what I do and how busy I am. But I'll say this we don't have enough black national radio hosts. We don't, we don't. And when I say that, I ask this question, and people always go, Well, yeah, I see this guy hiring professional athletes with all due respect. And I love it. Doesn't count.
0: No, that doesn't count. count.
1: It does not count. So when I ask people, Where's the next Rome? You know, where's the next, um, uh, you know, uh, cowherd, where's that guy and that person of color, where is that individual and that guy, those people are not there. And I'm not saying I'm them, but what I am telling you is we need more people on the national stage who can do those kinds of things and be given those opportunities.
0: Okay. So since you went there, uh, let's wrap the podcast with this.
1: (laughs) Okay. Um, okay.
0: This is what, what conversations with me and you turn into, um, they're never short. I know that. Digital has made the world a la carte yes so for about five years now uh, I don't have cable and when I sit down on my couch I have a plan of what I'm gonna see even live sports if I know a, a game is coming on i'll I'll find the the game with whatever app I, I I need to find the game um but what I don't do is I don't flip channels anymore mm. I don't sit there and flip you know, you know, you just see what's on. I I, I never do that, ne- never. And my theories about radio are that's happening now too. And I think the proliferation of podcasts. I've heard your show. I don't listen live. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm not insulting you by saying that. No. I download it. I subscribe to your podcast, and if you have a guest that I'm interested in or a segment that I'm interested, in, I listen to it. Uh, just like I listen to Boomer Asayson in the morning, or Dave Softy Mahler in Seattle, or, or or Jason Stark's podcast, or any of these podcasts, I, that's how I consume sports now. And so, to your point about needing to find the next Colin Cowherd, I just don't know that that person is going to exist, black, white, or indifferent. Simply because everything is going to be so a la carte. And so there will be, you know, the black Colin Cowherd, right? Mm -hmm. Like that person, whether it's you or someone else, whoever that is, that's going to be based on the number of people that download their podcasts and the number of people that follow them on social media. Whereas Colin Cowherd was on an every stinking radio station going. So Jim Rome and Colin Cowherd are not going to be replaced. Just like Howard Stern, when Howard Stern retires their Sirius XM is not going on this nationwide search to find the next Howard Stern. That era is over. And I've, I'm convinced that when Howard Stern retires, the car companies are going to end their deals with Sirius XM. And there's going to be technology that makes podcasting more available in cars. Not that they're not available now, but that's where this is going. And so I always say that the only thing that is going to stay traditional in media is play-by-play because there will always be live sports. I, it has been a decade since I've seen an NFL pregame show. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I, I, don't know, I don't know anything about them. I, I couldn't tell you. And, I, you know, I've embraced the Premier League, right? I've been watching a lot of the Premier League uh, in the last two seasons. And what I love about the Premier League is during the game, there is not a commercial to be found. And then there's a halftime, and I don't have to sit and stare at it. And so this this idea in radio, I I just think it's amazing how you're seeing it in small markets. You know, the sports radio station in Florida just uh, uh, shut down. There's a sports radio station in Milwaukee, and I'm not picking on Odyssey because it's all over, but those were two Odyssey stations. It, that's where it's coming. And I don't think this is going to die in our lifetime, but the idea that a new syndicated host is going to burst onto the scene. I don't think it's possible anymore.
1: All right. And, and, and I disagree from this standpoint. Please. I do. And I do, I do agree with you. If you can't see the future right now, where it's going, right. Right. Then you're blind. By the way, you, tell
0: me how the flying car. is.
1: <laughs> you're you're blind. But terrestrial radio and this is you're right about the play-by-play that's why sports play-by-play is such a big deal it's you know the nfl has the top 50 shows every year there's a reason for that because it's the only thing we watch live but i will say this terrestrial radio from the standpoint of local communities okay is never going away what's going on in boston people want to know what's going on in boston people don't want to know what's going on in dallas they want to know what's going on in dallas so from that standpoint seth what i do is not going away in my lifetime. To your point, now you add the element of podcast, and let's get back to this. Right, national not in scene. our
0: lifetime. Me- no, meaning, not in our lifetime, but but not. our kids' lifetime,
1: probably, probably. Okay, right.
0: just like just like uh, FM radio and and
1: movie theaters and baseball <laughs> and blockbuster. You're right. So the <laughs> national thing here, Here's where I'm at with that. Even a guy like Pat McAfee. Okay, let's look at him because Pat has kind of created this own street, right, for himself. Mm -hmm. But Pat still needs the assistance of a distributor. He still needs somebody to put it out there. Pat could be great in his basement, and he's great, and he's fun, and he's entertaining. But at the end of the day, you still need somebody to put it out there. And my point with that is, nationally, that's not going to stop. To me, the podcast and the extras, the digital It's always just been that. It's extra. If I want to find you, I can find you to your point. But I also think when you talk about how somebody becomes Rome or Cowherd, it's so much harder in the digital world because there are 8 million of these things that are out there. So, what differentiates you? So, if you're on Fox and Fox realizes there's value on having a guy on talking about this for three hours. And then all of a sudden you have podcasts and you have digital space that you're in. That's how that gets created. The, the Joe Rogans of the world, you hear this all the time. It's the second time I brought his name up. I have this conversation all the time. I think
0: that's the second time in the 380 episodes of this podcast, Joe Rogan's names come up.
1: Well, the reason is everybody wants to think that they can become that. They don't realize the the 20 year journey, right. Of this thing being built up. Because he didn't have that distribution part of this, and he wasn't on on television. He wasn't he wasn't but, doing that. So, but the my difference, point is, but still there.
0: No, I get what you're saying, but the difference here is is that Pat McAfee. Yeah, I I couldn't pick Pat McAfee out of a lineup. <laughs>
1: I I I I, I, <laughs> I am using him as an example because no no no, but but take that one he, step
0: further. I I I I I tweet this all the time. I have never seen or heard a television show by either Skip Bayless or Stephen A. Smith ever in my life. The closest I ever came was Stephen A. Smith's show was on in a dentist's office, and I had the thing in my mouth, and I said, "Do me a favor, shut that crap."
1: Out. You're silly. <laughs> Here's what I would tell you
0: and but that's what i'm saying a la carte like that's what i mean I, it, it's not well, on in my house
1: well but here's the deal it is in a lot of people's homes and of and course. and this is where if you move to that if you're saying hey i come home i'm gonna watch netflix tonight i'm gonna watch paramount plus uh, you know i'm gonna get my yellowstone or whatever it might be i do think Dude, star wars what are you talking about Well, whatever I, it's an example but <laughs> The, the the way that we're moving towards that, we're not there yet. And for, like, the Stephen A. stuff and, and, you know, Skip Bayless, listen, that's not everybody's cup of tea, but those shows are on, Seth, because they moved the needle. Of course. They do. That, and that's,
0: that's the only thing. But, but the thing is, now you're starting to see. It's just like college basketball. College basketball, the, the NCAA tournament has never been bigger, right? The NCAA tournament has become – a massive, the online gambling aspect of the NCAA tournament has tripled its value, right? But yes. you know what's gone? Big Monday. Of course. Big Monday is nothing anymore. And and so what, I'm not saying sports is going anywhere. And Stephen A. Smith has his followers. But I think that the day, of the, as streaming becomes a bigger thing, the programming is. of a linear television is not going to exist. So as sports move to the Amazons and the apples, yeah, right, there's not going to have a need to program an f s one in the future. why? Because not? right now, f s one is just a loop. And what you're going to find is they're going to have because Stephen A. Smith will have a video version of a podcast. And that show will be available on your leisure and you'll watch it. I just saw before we, we connected, somebody is watching, the. somebody tweeted they just finished Dope Sick. Right? That show on show. Hulu. Oh, like, it was great. Michael Keaton. It's awesome. I, I just saw episode one. I'm I'm behind. You know what I mean? I, like yeah. I'm not catching up on, on you and that's the nature. What I think that Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith and Colin Cowherd uh, have all benefited from was the proliferation of cable television and no these doubt. linear networks. No and doubt. as that diminishes, I think that the the chance of those people, I think Pat McAfee is the only one that has embraced the future because what he's done is exactly. he's made. And I, again, I'm not joking. I couldn't pick him out of a lineup, but what I love that he does is I, it, it is, always thrown in my face that he's on it's always always i I see promoted things i see promos i see all these different things and i know who he is because of that and so nowadays i think what's what's harder is for the radio host in houston to get that call to for that big break because the value of espn radio is is diminished yeah sports radio nbc sports radio yep. cb nbc sports radio doesn't exist anymore cbs sports radio is on and like you said y- you know the reality of it is is more people are hearing your weekend show yeah than during the week if you yeah. were doing
1: middays on cbs sports radio who's hearing you it's a great point I- i'll say this because i know we're up against it um, um yeah, well, I say that, but you know, we we could go forever. You know the deal. I uh, I don't disagree with you. We go fifteen more minutes. This is getting pushed into two episodes. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. I don't disagree with you, Seth, on the future of the industry. What I am asking you though is, who becomes those individuals that Pat McAfee is in your face? On all these different platforms, that's a person of color that becomes that next star in the digital world. If you want to push it there, that's fine, but it's still you still need to have that happen. And I think that's what I'm talking about here. Yeah, I don't yeah. Anything that you're saying with with how television looks at itself right now, the challenges that they have in front of them. To your point. My wife but here's I, the
0: evidence. Here's the evidence of
1: that. We never watch live shows anymore. But never. I will tell you that even when these things start to go to Apple and Amazon, they're going to create their own version of what you're already seeing. Whether it's a, a digital show of a podcast, those things will still exist. Sure. It's just going to be in a different way. It'll be in still-
0: a different format. It won't be on in the dentist's office.
1: Right. But you'll still have stars that will rule the sports world because they're talking about the things we love and that and, is, the and, part.
0: and your main point, which is have a, 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 a talent like a Carl Dukes. That is not stick. That is that's not, what that, that, and, that, that, and that's what, what you're saying, but it, it goes to basketball. And this is my, I promise my last point, the, the, <laughs> the idea in basketball with now with the way basketball has embraced Snapchat and, and uh, Instagram and the way their highlights go, and the way their their games, you can buy, you pay two ninety nine for a basketball game. Their linear television ratings are declined, but their brand has never been higher. Right to that end, what I have found is there is no reason for a local team anymore. Meaning, a thirteen year old kid in Atlanta, Georgia, if they're a Giannis Santino Cupo fan they have access to him as much as they have access to a Hawks game. Agreed. And, you know, Trey Young is a, is a magnetic figure, but you can live in Portland and love Trey Young. Yeah. Like the, this idea of root, root, root for the home team is changing too. And so that that's where I just but, think that, that you're there, there is, there is a certain generation. There's a, there's a gap and, I think it's important for parents to teach their kids about the loyalty of your teams. You know, like how did you become a, a, a Hawks fan? Well, it was my dad or my mom or, or my grandfather or whatever, yeah. whatever it was. And like, you know, I, I beat that to my kids To I beat that drum. You know, my, my, my daughter's become a New Jersey Devils fan. And I tell her every time this is the only professional team we have like that's
1: that's not a new york team <laughs> yeah yeah it's true i uh i think those hours i know man i know i listen i think it's always been that way though right you're saying the access of watching their games where as when we were growing up if you didn't see it on cable or they, it wasn't the game of the night you weren't going to get a chance to see it and you're saying now you have the ability to do that on your phone or your tablet or whatever but i always think it's been that way you liked you liked the lakers because you liked magic or you like Shaq right. or Kobe? Right. You, you didn't. You didn't have to grow up to be a Laker fan. But
0: then, right? but then you were like, when do the Lakers come to the Meadowlands? It's true. Now it's I like I like the Lakers because I like LeBron or I like uh, Kyrie. You know, Kyrie Irving or oh boy, whoever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whoever. Whoever. Right. You you like this superstar or that superstar? Uh, Jay Morant.
1: He's a he's he's a magnetic player. Does anybody? Memphis. Memphis. Right. Right, but I can watch Memphis games if I want. I totally get it. I, I, but I've always felt like you know that's why still they try to put these games on. Like the NFL, just <laughs> they just moved the Broncos game right because the Broncos suck. Um, yeah. it, they realize, and I'm talking about you know the NFL, all the sports leagues.
0: Well, the NFL seems to buck this trend. Like the yes. NFL is massive, no matter what. Forty four no. million people watching Thanksgiving. I mean, that's in, insane.
1: Well, it, basketball nothing, can't
0: compete with that. Nobody no, can compete with
1: that. No, 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 no. It's king, And, and and you know, that's part of the reason why I don't care what happens in the league personal, personally or criminally or however it might. You know, Deshaun Watson's thing was a mess. It, it still doesn't matter. The games are what matters. And the NFL gets that. But I was simply going to say, you know, when, when it comes to accessing your favorite team or your favorite player, it's never been easier. But here's the thing. You can be in Portland, right? But who's talking about your favorite player in Portland? And that gets back to what you were talking about. Where that's can that's I fair. go find that person yeah. that is going to tell me about what's yep. going on with my people? And yep. that is that gets back to what I'm saying.
0: You are a master at your craft, man. Um I love the fact that I've known you for as long as I have. And I, every time I see something that, that marks your success, you win something, you do something. I'm always like, Oh my God, that that guy, that's so great. Uh, how can people find you online since we've been talking about Twitter for two hours?
1: Yeah, man. No, I mean, I'm at put em up, see Dukes, put them up, uh, put them up on every other platform. instead, you know, I, I'm not a big Facebook guy, even though I'm there. Um, just because, you know, uh, I kind of had to be when I was I doing a lot list. of, yeah, I, I had a lot list. of, well, I had, was doing a lot of TV stuff and they were like, create a, we'll create a, uh, a TV, uh, you know, profile for you. So I, I've got one up there, but, uh, but you can DM me, man, and contact me and, and obviously, uh, I'd love to hear from, from anybody that, uh has enjoyed my work or you're interested in just you know having a conversation because that's what it's about man but seth i appreciate appreciate you i appreciate everything that you have been able to achieve and accomplish i know you've got some things in the works i'm so excited for the possibilities of what may happen there for you um but more importantly man your friendship you know and we're connected through a guy that we both loved we both loved and As I said, as we started this, I know he's looking down and saying, my boys, my dudes are still doing their thing. And to me, that makes me feel good.
0: I I will say, uh, since uh, Carl is on social media, uh, if there's anything in this podcast that you had an issue with, uh, do me a favor reach out to carl directly and leave me the hell out of it
1: i don't think i said anything controversial not this time maybe next so. time I next time so.
0: oh there will be a next time uh continued success uh with your family your 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 gig the, the atlanta show the cbs show everything uh, i'm so proud of you man we'll talk to you soon
1: thanks seth appreciate you take care
0: that's carl dukes this has been another edition of sports with friends that's why you create a podcast call it sports with friends you have guys like this these are your friends that's what you do. We'll have another episode next week.
3: <laughs> we'll see you then. If you want me to stay, I'll be around today to be available for you to see. I'm about to go, and then you'll know for me to stay, I got to be me. Smile Calm yeah,